Hey, friends, welcome back to another episode of Priorities on Purpose. Listen, today I'm going to be sharing with you a conversation that I had with my sister inside of the Real Talk Tribe community in October of last year. Lots have changed since then, but this is such a good conversation. And so I'm going to give you a few updates now so that when you listen to it, you don't, you're like, wait a minute, I thought her grandma died. Yes, my grandma died in March of this year, but we recorded this in October of 22. The other thing I want to say is that we talk a lot about the gene site test. After the recording of that conversation, I ended up going to my doctor, having some issues getting it. I finally got it and I learned that there's actually another test that gives you more information than the gene site test. It's called the PGX test, I believe. And it will actually test you to see about different medications that aren't just mental health related. It will tell you about the MTHFR gene. It will talk to you about like pain, basically like heart medicine. I'm trying to think of some off the top of my head, like your brain, digestion, basically all of it. And I ended up having that test done and it was so worth it. I found out that the one medication that I am on, Zoloft, I thought it was really interesting because it's not on the really good for you list. It's actually in the red zone, which means like not recommended, but it's because of the way my body metabolizes it. And so I can still take it, but I need a higher dose. And so as long as I can take the amount that I'm allowed to take, then it's good and it works. And so I wanted to share that with you. Also wanted to tell you, like, this episode is going to be long. I thought about making it part one, part two, but I'm just going to, we're going to roll with it. And you can come back and finish it later if you need to. But it's such a great conversation about mental health and knowing what's out there. I can't tell you how many conversations I've had with people who had no idea that these kind of tests were available for you to know what medicine will work and what medicine won't work. Mind-blowing. Now that I know this information, I share it with everyone, and the podcast is a great place to do it. So look in the show notes for more information on the gene site and the test that I had done. I'll double-check, but I'm pretty sure it was called the PGX. And I will also link where I went to the doctor to get this if you are local to me. Alrighty. You ready, guys? Buckle up because this episode is, it's a lot. We talk about some heavy things and we talk about like stressful things, but I think if you struggle with your mental health, you're going to leave after this episode with hope. That's always my goal for you. Hey there, I'm Melissa Batt, the host of Priorities on Purpose, a podcast for overwhelmed direct sellers who want to grow their income, audience, and influence without sacrificing their mental health and main priorities. Whether you're just starting a new adventure or you're 15 years in and have already climbed the ranks, I want to help you have the life and the business of your dreams. Can you see it? Can you feel it? Or maybe you thought you had it and something changed. Whether you have your entire dream mapped out or have completely given up on all the possibilities, I'm here to remind you that God is bigger than the little box we put him in. This side gig is part of his plan. It's not your sole purpose, but it absolutely has purpose. 
As a Christian life and business coach, I'm here to help you get out of your head and live with intention so you can enjoy what matters most without the guilt. More time to do what you love, more peace, more impact, more money, and opportunities to give to those you want to help. I promise to be your hype girl, business bestie, and biggest cheerleader as I share proven and simple strategies that will be sure to help you live a fulfilled life with a strong, sustainable business. Are you ready to stop chasing all the shiny things and get laser focused? Put your earbuds in while you're cooking dinner or folding that laundry and let's get to it, friend. This is one time when multitasking is actually going to be beneficial. Whether you struggle with mental health or you know someone who does, I guarantee you, you have most likely been impacted by yours or someone else's mental health, right? And so today I thought that we could have a casual conversation regarding this topic because I have been talking with my sister. I mean, this is something that we both have experienced a lot of. If you don't know my story, I've struggled since probably child number two. I, well, I've struggled my whole life. I just didn't know it. I hadn't identified. I thought depression was just sitting in the closet crying. I didn't know like depression doesn't have to look like that. And so long story short, I struggled before I was diagnosed, but I was officially diagnosed with postpartum depression or depression. Probably I think like when I was pregnant with my third child, I recognized it. I think I was diagnosed after my third child and that's when I got on some medication. So again, whether you're on medication or you're not on medication, I'm not here to tell you what's right for you. I know I have tried to get off medication. I've been successful in the past. I'm currently on medication. And I think that sometimes medication can be a tool that allows us to be who God really has called us to be. And so today we're going to be chatting together, my sister and I, because she recently had this test done and I saw firsthand a huge difference. And it's like night and day. She went from someone who I really, I mean, I would hang out with her, but it wasn't pleasant. You know, some of those people who really, I'm look, I'm like, she's not on here yet, but I can see her and she can see me and hear me. So I'm like, <laughs> you know, those people who are just like, never have anything nice to say, the biggest yours in your life and just like, what, 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 always complaining about something. That was kind of my sister for a while. And she was just, she was struggling and she finally got some help and she was on medication this whole time, but her psychiatrist, I think, had suggested this test. She had this test done and then they ended up switching her medicine and she's like a totally different person. So I'm going to bring her on and let her kind of share. We're just going to have a little open dialogue. I do want to tell you, I am not a doctor. This is not a conversation that's supposed to be like medical advice. I just want to talk about this topic because it's that elephant in the room that a lot of people don't like to talk about. I do think that we are getting, we're doing much better about breaking the stigma surrounding it, but it's still there. And a lot of people still feel a whole lot of shame around it. And I'm here to help you drop the shame and recognize that there's a lot of us that struggle and there is hope for you and or those that you love that are struggling. And so I'm in Kentucky. My sister is in Indiana. And I'm telling you, like, it's interesting because here in Kentucky, even my doctor, like, she wasn't super familiar with it. Whereas all the people that I have been talking to 
who have had this test done, they are all in Indiana. So I think it's really interesting and why I'm so passionate about bringing up this topic because so many people don't even have a clue like me and there's help out there for us. So without further ado, here we go. I'm bringing on my sister. Christy, welcome to the Real Talk Tribe Facebook Live. I was super excited. I would love for you just to share. First of all, disclaimer, another one. Obviously, we are not giving medical advice, but also we're going to probably be talking about some very sensitive topics. So if you have children in the room, you may just want to know that ahead of time. Although if they're, you know, I think Christy, with some of the things she's going to be talking about is from when she was a teenager. And so I think it'll be a really good conversation, but I do want to preface it with the fact that we're talking about some sensitive topics. Okay. All right. So, Paul, Christy, I don't even know where you want to start, but I want you to kind of start from as far back as you can remember of your first feeling of depression, anxiety, or whatever it was. And I don't even know that I know this answer, and that makes me sad because I'm your sister, but let's just talk about it. There's a lot of stuff about me you don't know, believe it or not. <laughs> but it all started when I was probably, I mean, we had the so-called normal childhood, raised with a bunch of babysitters. Mom was always working. Dad was gone. So I, I think my depression really kind of started after I was raped at 17 years old, and that took my virginity. And so I didn't know what to do, who to talk to, where to go. I mean, I was 17. So I ended up attempting suicide, and luckily that did not work. So they sent me to the hospital, of course. I had to stay a couple of days, and I got right into counseling after that. I have been on antidepressants. I'm 40 now, so I've been on antidepressants for 22 years. Nothing has ever seemed to work. Like, nothing. I've been in counseling on and off my entire life. I was out of counseling for a little while, but I've always been on meds. And so I thought, okay, well, that's the best I can do. I just have to deal with what life has given me and move on. But before our stepdad passed away, slow over seven years ago, I knew it was going to be tough. So I put myself back into counseling. And I had the same string of psychiatrists or therapists since then. But I've been with my current one for about four years. And so she could always tell when I came in, whether it was a good day, bad day, what was going on. And so I went in there one day and she's like, I'm going to have you do this test. I think it's called a Beck test. And it's just answering questions. And then they score them and they can tell you if you're little depressed, majorly depressed, severely depressed. Well, my last one was in July. I was severely depressed and my anxiety was moderate according to this test. I was like, but I don't know what else to do. I feel like I'm doing everything I can. And she's like, well, you know what? I know about this test. And after all these years, I, I think maybe you ought to take it. I was like, well, what is it? Because, you know, I'm like, talking don't really help me much. Lord, Lord knows I've been to Melissa quite a bit. So she's like, well, it's a DNA test. I was like, what does my DNA have to do with anything? And they're like, well, you take, they swab the inside of your cheek, simple DNA test. They send it off. A week later, you get the results. So this one is actually mine. It's antidepressants. 
And then this first row is use as directed. Those work best with my DNA. Well, I'm allergic to one of them. So that was an automatic no. These are moderate gene drug interactions. Well, I've been on three of these, but they have a number two next to it. And it tells you right at the bottom, the serum level may be too low. Higher doses may be required. Well, of course, all psychiatrists start you out on the lowest dose possible. That's just the way it works. But the ones over here are significant gene drug interactions. Most of them have to be in very high doses to work for me. Of course, most doctors will not go up to a high dose. No matter what you ask, what you say, they just won't. I have been on 12 of these meds. 12. 12. And they didn't work. They did not work. They were normal dosages. I thought that it was always a constant battle. Yeah, it's, it's literally like you're blindfolded and you're just throwing a dart at the starboard and like wherever it leads. Okay, we're going to try that one today. Yes, and that's what my psychiatrist said. That's exactly what they do. Whatever medicine they are familiar with is when they shoot you. So like my current psychiatrist, he loves the Cinequan stuff. I tried it once, it didn't work. He said, well, it says you need a higher dosage. So he just recently gave me a higher dosage. It's still not working. I'm like, that's on the least favorite. Can we move back over here? So in July, beginning of August, they switched me. I'm sorry, June. They switched me over here to the use as directed, and they put me on number two, which is Prestique. Within two weeks, I felt completely better. I was happier with myself. I was happier in my life. I losing weight. I've lost 28 pounds since June without trying. It does curb my appetite, but I'm not stress eating anymore. So I don't have like, I used to have a table of nothing but treats and snacks and cupcakes and stuff that I could grab. And then I tried to quit smoking. So I had caramels everywhere. Like that was, I chose food. It was not healthy for me. Same. So along with antidepressants, it tells you everything for mental health. So this one is anxiety meds and hypnotics. So with the use as directed, I've actually been on one, two, three, five of them. I have just recently found out I'm allergic to one of them. Now I'm allergic to two of them. <laughs> and so I'm still working on getting the anxiety part taken care of. But these, you also notice, have a number one next to them. So that means that the serum level may be too high, so the lower doses are required because you don't want to have too many meds. I want to take as least amount of pills as I can take it in. So no wonder when I go to the dentist, we have dentist anxiety, they always give me a, a Valium before I go. Boy, do I feel good. <laughs> well, according to this, I need the lower dosages. So even like the five milligram volume, they're like, I can't believe you feel that good on five milligrams. Well, it's because my DNA says I need a lower dose. But that's okay because I can get through it being on, you know, five milligrams. They're like, okay, and we feel pretty good. Pin. And I was like, no, you know, just start with the little dose until we know what's going on. Same thing whenever you have procedures done. They give you the propranol, significant 
chain drug interaction. What does that mean? Don't work as well. So what is propanolol? It's actually the generic for enderol. And like when you have a colonoscopy, endoscopy, any kind of those testings where they just knock you out for a little bit. Mine has a number two next to it. Maybe too low. Higher dosages may be better. Well, that would be very helpful if you were going to need a colonoscopy. Yes. And I've always wondered why I never went to sleep when they first put it in. Because they weren't giving you a high enough They weren't giving me enough. And I've always noticed they've always had to come in and give me two. Because I'm still awake and still talking and act like nothing's wrong. (laughs) And of course, they're looking at you like, are you fighting this? I'm like, no, I'm ready to go to sleep. Like being under anesthesia is the best sleep you could ever get. Like, I'm ready. You know, just get it over with. They're like, okay. And then they finally give me a little bit more. And then I'm out. Now, I am not on antipsychotics. However, if I ever need it to be, I have the antipsychotics list. What is like the, I don't even know what antipsychotics uh, are for. Bipolar, schizophrenic. Okay, so those, like if they give you those kind of medications as well. Yes, anything with mental health. And then they also do ADHD. Don't they have medications for ADHD on there too? I think that one would be classified under the analytics and hypnotics. Okay. And then mood stabilizers, which I don't have a mood disorder. I know everybody thinks I did because I was moody. But no, it was all, I was on the wrong mood, wrong meds. So they even give them the mood stabilizers, which I've never been on any of them because I don't need them. But they give them to you. It's just part of the test. Stimulants, non-stimulants. Which I don't think I've ever been on any of these because I don't need a stimulant. I feel like the ADHD medicine is, um, like, some of them are under the non-stimulant. Some of them stimulant, like Ritalin. Now, this one has a number four next to a couple of these, and that is a genotype may impact drug mechanisms of action and result in moderately reduced efficacy. So with my DNA, those that are not going to work as well because they're moderate. And then there's number 10 by these. And this uh, it says, while this medication does not have clinically proven genetic markers, it may be effective choice based on other clinical factors. So certain meds, like Adderall, for instance, is no proven genetic markers. So the doctor would have to use his own trials to see if that would work for me if I needed a stimulant. So, like, I just, I love that this test gave you so many options. And it just gives you a better place to land. Someone said we had a special page for ADHD meds for her daughter. So maybe. Um, Probably, like I said, I was just going after antidepressants and anxiety. So I know you are super passionate about this test and telling people about it. I don't know how many times you've told me you need to tell them to get this test. You need to tell them to get this test. And finally, I was like, do you want to come on and talk to me about this test? Because I agree that I am. And again, I am shocked that I personally have struggled. I've shared that, you know, since I went back on medication, I think 2019, and I've been operating at a C level almost every single day. And my doctor is like, are you sure you don't want to try a different medication? And I'm like, listen, I can't live in a bubble. And the only, like, I would rather be a C than take a chance of being at an F level and failing. And so I've stuck with being a C level, sometimes C minus, sometimes D, because of the fear of 
how long it would take me to acclimate or like the trial and error process. And my doctor had never once mentioned this to me. And I finally, because of you, mentioned it to my doctor the last time I went in there. And she said that she had heard of it, but it was really expensive. And I told her that you didn't have to pay for it. No, my insurance actually covered it, but they told me ahead of time before they did it, if my insurance did not cover it, the most it would cost me was $300. Yeah. And I'm just... With the results that I've seen, it was worth a lot more than $300. Yes, I was lucky. You get your life back covered it. Yes. I finally have my life back. I'm not evil. I'm not snapping people's heads off for no reason. Now, I still have my days, but we all do. You know, and I'm still trying to get on the right anxiety meds. I it was in a car accident a few years ago, and I've been suffering in pain ever since. So I was trying to get pain meds. So they took me off of what was working to try to find something that was not a benzo so that I could get pain meds. I had the pain clinic think I need them. Now, of course, they're dragging their feet and they want to do all these tests and stuff. So I was like, you know what? Let me get back to my mental health happiness while you're figuring things out. Yeah. You know, because things have changed in the last, I would say, two weeks just because I'm not on the right meds. I'm still losing weight. I still am not stress eating or anything, but I have been a little bit more snappy, which, I mean, being in pain every day is just exhausting. And people that don't suffer from depression, anxiety, or pain, they have no idea how it makes you feel. You know, I really thought I was just going to be an old grouchy person. I really did. I didn't think there was any better out there for me. But, I mean, not only did I see a difference, but my family seen a difference immediately. Absolutely. I remember when we were talking, because, I mean, we haven't really talked about this publicly today, but, I mean, you used to sleep a whole lot. And if you didn't have to do it, you were probably in bed or you were watch like you were watching your show, maybe playing a game on your phone. And shortly after your med change, I remember you were pressure washing the house. And that was probably the first I'm like, wait a minute, wait, what? And not only that, you were wanting to surprise mom, who was on vacation in Florida. And normally you would have griped and complained and made everyone miserable because she was in Florida and you weren't. And then like you weren't that way at all. You wanted to surprise her when she came home and you did a bunch of stuff in the backyard. You pressure washed the house, the porch, like all of that stuff. And that's when I was like, is this the same person? It was bad. Pressure washed rocks and the landscaping and everything. She pressure washed rocks. Yes, because too cheap to go buy new ones, and I knew they could be washed with bleach and a pressure washer. So got my buckets out on my hands and knees, and I mean, I went out there every day, 80, 90-degree weather. I mean, I got several pictures. I mean, I look like crap, let me tell you. But I had the energy that I haven't had in years. I'm glad you mentioned that about the energy because there is something that I say all the time. I'm super passionate about talking about it. I know we've talked about your child, Christy, and I, I've talked about this a lot. And that is that a lot of times depression looks like laziness. And I've said it as often as I can that laziness is a symptom of a bigger problem. And a lot of the time it is a mental health issue. 
it's not because they don't want to do it. You know, when I'm really struggling and overwhelmed and anxiety is too much, it shows up like me not being able to get out of bed. And my husband does not understand that he doesn't struggle with this. And so sometimes he doesn't get it. And I, first of all, I can now identify and kind of explain it to him a little bit better because before I didn't have any words to put with it. I just knew like, I am not like, I don't feel good. Like I am really tired. That's like, I'm just really tired. And it looks like laziness, but probably in the last year, I've been able to say like, when I am in a good, like you can, it is night and day. Like I go from like in bed, not able to do anything. My house is a disaster. I can't cook. I can't clean. I'm just almost like lethargic to my house is clean. I'm cooking dinner. I'm playing games. I'm like, it's night and day. And I love that we were able to visibly see that difference in you from night and day with your medication change. And again, medication isn't, you know, maybe you don't need medication, but I do think that there are times when medication is necessary. I don't plan to be on the medication forever. I've gotten off of it before. I plan to get off of it again. But right now I know that the medication is helping me. And when I can get to a place where I can do some of the other things, I don't think I'll be in the me- on the medication forever. But if you have to be on the medication forever, there's no shame in that either. Because if it makes you feel better, like we talk about, I follow this, I actually wrote these notes down. I follow someone on Instagram, Dr. Amen, Dr. Daniel Amen. If you look him up, he's written a ton of books. He talks about ADHD. He talks about brain health. And I love that he talks about this as brain health because he says, you know, mental health sounds like, oh, they're mental or whatever. Brain health. Like, let's start talking about what it is. There is only one place that one thing you go into the doctor for where they just want to write you a script and they don't do any testing to figure out what's wrong with you. Like if you go in with chest pain, they're going to want to do whatever to check your heart. You go in not being able to breathe. They're going to want to do an x-ray and look at your lungs. And he talks about like brain health. Like, why are we looking at the brain? Because it is a like it is an organ. And so while we are getting our brain in check, sometimes medication is necessary. There's also a lot of other things you can do as well to supplement or, you know, I know for me, counseling, there was a time I didn't need medication. I just needed therapy and that worked. There was a time where I like could just, uh, I wouldn't say just, but exercise helped me boost those chemicals and keep me off the medication. But there's also been times where I couldn't get out of bed without the medication. And there's no shame in any of that, wherever you are. Also, I want to say about this genocide, there's a lot of people that don't want to go on medication because they've been on it before. They don't like the way it, it makes them feel. You know, maybe you feel, I've heard all kinds of stories, you know, it makes you feel crazy or it makes you feel numb. And so you don't want to go on the medication because of that. The medication doesn't have to make you feel numb. And I think that this test is a really good test that could help you understand and prevent some of that, those side effects that's like that. Yeah. I mean, 22 years of the wrong meds and being in and out of therapy. And there was just, there was no help in sight. I was just unhappy with my own life. And then 
like speaking to you, I have figured out like what triggers me. Like our younger sister, she is bipolar, untreated. Of course, she's local, so I have to deal with her. But when I got on my new meds, like she used to trigger me. Like I have some of her stuff in our garage. Every time I pulled in the house, it would make me evil because I'd see her stuff. Like that was a trigger for me. Since I started my new meds, it don't trigger me anymore. Talking to her does not trigger me anymore. Like I would dread every phone call or text I'd get from her because I knew it was just some kind of drama. And I'm like, you know what? I don't even care. Like, there's nothing I can do about it. I wish she got her test done, but she did not get the result. She thinks she's on meds. Yeah, she might be on meds, but are they the right ones? And to have something as strong as your DNA to back it up. I mean, our DNA is what makes us. Yeah. You know, we've all had traumas in our life, but especially for brain health, you know, with like you being just depression, anxiety, me being just depression, anxiety. And it's not just, I mean, they're big issues. But for her to be bipolar and a mood disorder and not being treated, that is worse than any treatment that fails. At least once you know you failed a treatment, okay, fine. What's the next step? Yeah, because you're still, it's a process of moving forward. It is. And I'm allergic to a lot of medication. I mean, at over 30 meds, I'm allergic to. And so, yes, this says use as directed, but like, I know I'm allergic to Zoloft. So I'm like, that's the first one my doctor asked me about. I was like, no, I had allergic reaction to that once I broke out in hives. So let's skip that. You know, and we just went right on down the list. And every time I call him now, it's like, I ask him, you know, like I'm still trying to find the right anxiety meds. And yeah, the ones that he has me on says they should work, but they didn't. Like when I'm giving me headaches every night, I'm like, I am tired of having a headache. So I quit taking them, called him back. Hey, you know, this one isn't working. Can we move on down to another one? You know, yes, it's time consuming, but it's so worth it. I mean, anytime- I feel like you are, you went from surviving to like truly living. And I, that's something, you know, in here in the Real Talk Tribe community, I talk about intentional living and living on purpose so that you can thrive instead of just survive and get I off the I have been only real. surviving since I was 17. I really didn't think I'd even make it to this age. The only reason I'm still here is because of my son. You know, and yes, I will be one that will probably be on meds my entire life. And I'm okay with that. As long as they help me. You know, I have severe allergies. So I'm on an allergy pill every day of my life. Have been since as long back as I can remember. You know, it's just something that my body needs. And I'm okay with that. You know, I've never been a thin person. But I've always said I would never let myself get over 200 pounds. Just for my own well-being. I was knocking at 200 when I changed my meds. I'm down to like 172. So, yeah, it's not a big difference, but I feel better. You know, I'm drinking more water. I'm not hungry, so I'm not snacking constantly. You know, I try to eat one meal a day, which I know isn't the best. But a lot of times I was like, I go two or three days. I'm like, wait a minute, what did I eat? And then I realized I haven't ate nothing. So, like, I have to really stop myself and think, did I eat today? Maybe I should eat some crackers before I go to bed. You know, and... 
I'm sleeping more now than I was a couple weeks ago because of the med change. So even my sleeping changed. But I'm still happy with myself and my depression. I mean, Lord knows we have so many triggers around here. I've been a caregiver for the family for as long back as I can remember. I took care of my stepdad. Can we talk about that for a minute? Because you know boundaries is something that I have preached to you a lot because you are a giver and you are the helper. Like the family all depends on you. And because of that, you have pretty much sacrificed your own life to help others, you know? And so I want to talk about that for a minute because I do think that it's relevant to a lot of those who are here. So you were the caregiver for our stepdad. And after he passed away, like, walk us through that. All of those little steps. Like, he did cancer treatment, radiation, and chemotherapy for a year and a half before he passed. But for five weeks, he was on hospice care. Well, we didn't have nurses come in and do it. I did it. Pretty much on call 24-7. You know, dad needed something. I was there. And even recently on my Facebook memories, of course, all the things are popping back up from dad's last minutes, last hours. You know, and just reading through those, it would throw me in into a severe depression every year around this time. I started, that is something that I recognize as I started becoming more intentional. I didn't know what it was. Like all of a sudden, like I'm like kind of getting back into this funk and I was like, what? Like what is happening? And it was just as something as simple as like I had to recognize that it was those Facebook memories of like, okay, so now I know that in September, well, for me, it's right after Labor Day. Labor Day is the last time I got to see him alive. And so I remember like it was yesterday, like the conversations, knowing it was probably going to be the last time I got to see him. And then from then on, it's almost like one of these books that I still haven't read, but I've read enough that I feel like I kind of understand it. Your body keeps score. It's like your mind knows even if you don't. And so your body just kind of reacts without you even knowing what you're going through. And so it was like I was going through all of these emotions without even realizing it. I do that when I go to Indiana, too. I didn't understand what that was about. But when I go to Indiana, I love everybody, but it is a trigger for me. And so I did not understand why before I go to Indiana, I can barely get out of bed the day before or the day of. Like, it is really hard. And it's because there's a lot of heavy emotions and trauma related to it. And so my body knows, even if I don't technically know, and so I'm glad that you mentioned that about those Facebook memories, because that is something. And I think that's a big aha for some of those who will be watching or listening, because it is just recognizing it and having that awareness to be very gracious with yourself. Like I knew, like, the, of course, you remember the day they pass. And so, like, I would not look at my memories that morning. I waited until bedtime to look at my memories so that way I could feel the feelings get through them, process them. Of course, he passed away in the morning. 
you know, Colton give him his last kiss that I have a picture of just to me holding his hand and I, I could hear his breathing. And when he got down to eight, nine times a minute, I was like, mom, it, it's almost time. He's get ready to let go, you know, and just assuring mom and Gib that it's okay. I'll take care of mom. Like I always do. You can let go. You can go. And just assuring him and for him to hang on long enough for Colton to get to school. Like he passed away. Colton leaves on the bus at like 745. He passed away at 830. So like I knew that day, don't look at those Facebook memories because it'll make me have a bad day all day. Not really a bad day, just an emotional heavy day. And I knew it was going to be heavy enough because I knew what day it was. But then, you know, like I did that and mom came down to your house October 2nd and she stayed for three months, you know, and I really struggled with that because I was still here and I was still in the house. I had all the flowers to take care of after the memorial. I had to do all these things by myself and I didn't realize how hard they were going to be, you know, and then I don't think I realized that either. You know, I was kind of in my own little struggle of having a hysterectomy, Eric being out of town, trying to help mom. And in that, yeah, you were kind of left to nobody help care of Christy, did they? Like, no. And, and, and like, I'm just learning how to take care of myself, mm-hmm. like mentally. I mean, yeah, I've always, you know, fed myself, cleaned up after myself or whatever, but to take care of myself mentally and find out what I need to thrive. You know, advocate for yourself. Fast forward to, you know, last year, grandma had a laryngectomy. She breathes through a hole in her neck now. I took care of her 24-7 for 10 months. You know, and finally I was like, you know, I knew she wanted to go home. No, I was not okay with it because I wouldn't be able to take care of her 24-7. And that's what bothered me the most because I wouldn't be there to make sure everything goes perfectly right. But come November 1st, I was like, all right, fine. If you want to go home, we'll see how it goes. Aunt Tammy stayed with her for a while. She had a few accidents that really flipped me out. Hospital stays. And then she had a mini stroke in May. I was like, okay, she needs somebody there 24-7. I can't do it. I'm trying to be a mom and take care of the house and the animals because, you know, mom, she just ups and leaves whenever she wants because she has not got control of her mental health. So her way of dealing with it is to run away. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how many people do that. I like, want mom runs away. And I'm like, mom, you're never system. going to get better if you don't deal with it now. But sometimes I think, like, you have to be ready to deal with it. And it's part of surviving, I think, is that escape and avoidance and all that is something I've struggled with as I've become more intentional and like, okay, running away and avoiding and escaping is only prolonging the healing that can take place. And you and I, we've had a lot of conversations about that as we've dealt with our own traumas in our life. Okay, keep going. But like, school ended and I was like, okay, I can spend more time over at grandma's, you know, during the summer. You know, and then I'm noticing mom's leaving like every weekend or like sometimes during the week, Wednesday and Thursday, she's leaving. And I'm like, fine, mom, you need to get this test. I know you're on antidepressants, but they're not working, you know, and dealing with Jessica and her drama. I'm like, we need to find common ground. And so like, even now, Jessica's still not treated. 
she's not getting any better. And I can't help but like, I want to strangle her. I'm like, get your test results and get on the right meds. But it doesn't matter what I say. She's not going to do it. So I'm like, you know what? I can't control that. Let me just focus on myself and my son and my mom. These are the people that I'm closest with. These are the ones I live with. So, I mean, I know what's going on with all of them. And it's so weird because Colton's on the mental health med for anxiety after a car accident that I'm allergic to. So don't think just because it's okay for one person that it's going to be okay for you in the same family because that's not the case. You know, I, he's on the Zoloft. Well, I'm allergic to Zoloft. It has done wonders for him. Have you had him tested? No, because he's on Zoloft and it's working. I have not attempted to take him off of it because it, I really didn't want him on any meds. I worked his whole life to make sure he was not on meds for autism and ADHD. We've done therapy. We do behavioral conditionist. He's been in therapy since he was nine months old, you know, but he was started to break out in anxiety rashes. In case you don't know, it's hives when your anxiety gets too high. So the first they put him on hydroxyzine, but he was taking like two or three a day. And I was like, God, I don't want him on that many pills. You know, I, we've got to find a better solution. So then we went to Zyrtec and Zola for allergies and then for the anxiety. It's worked great. I'm allergic to both. That's funny. And I birthed him. He's mine, but I'm allergic to both of those meds, but they work great for him. He has not had to take hydroxyzine for six, seven months now. That's awesome. When he gets into those situations where his anxiety usually flares up, like bowling practice or bowling meets, he's calming himself down just through deep breathing. You know, we're focusing on something else temporarily. Now, I still can't get him to sit up front in the car. That's my next chore. But at least he's not breaking out hives because I know how miserable hives are. You know, mm-hmm. so that's at least a step in the right direction. Now, if he ever, if he, if I go to try to take him off these meds and he doesn't do well, then I would want this test done for him, definitely. Well, I was just thinking, like, why would you take him off this med before getting the test done? I wouldn't take him off. I don't want him to be on meds for his whole life. He's only 15, but I have to wait until he's ready. Like, because he knows these meds work. And he's old enough to realize that they're working. So, like, he's so good. I don't even have to remind him to take his meds. He does it all on his own. One in the morning, one at night. He does it. So, I would like to get him off of him. Just to see if his body can keep up, you know, to see if he can manage it on his own now that he knows the breathing techniques and what triggers his anxiety. Yeah, So let's go back to you because dealing with, you know, Gibbs' death and then taking care of grandma and then you had a car accident, more than one. Neither were my fault. Neither were your fault. And then, you know, Colton struggles, Jessica, mom, you have kind of taken all of that on. I have, and it's really stressful. Like, like people don't realize. Do you recognize, though, that maybe you do that as that is your way of avoiding and escaping? Yeah. And feel needed? And because you feel unworthy of helping yourself? 
I didn't. But now that I finally got help and I'm on antidepressants, I'm like, you know what? Like, I'll go to grandma's and I, I don't get sad. I, I want her to be happy. I want her to be not in pain. You know, I go over and shower her every week. I text her, check up on her all the time. But I'm like, you know, what? I can't stress about that. So I might go to her three days and not hear from Tammy or grandma. And I'm okay with that now. Now, before, no way. I, I would, I talk to her every day one way or the other, you know, but now I'm just like, you know what? She's okay. As long as I don't hear from her, I'm okay. You know, I know she's doing what she does every day, which I still do grandma duty, you know, two, three nights a week, two or three nights a month, which isn't the same, but I order all of her supplies and everything for her. So, I mean, I have a lot of things going on. I was going to say, let's talk about that. Like you still pay all of her bills. I pay all of her bills every month. You talk to everyone of her doctor people, order her medication like you do. A lot of just because you're not there taking care of her 24 7, you are still doing a lot of that. She gets supplies from about three, four or five different people that I have to order every month. Luckily, Tammy takes her to the doctor these days. Tammy takes her shopping. Tammy makes sure that she's fed, you know, and, and Tammy's getting a little aggravated because grandma don't want to eat. So, you know, I, I go over there and I put my foot down. I'm like, grandma, if you don't eat, I will use your feeding tube and I will put extra food in it. That's why we have feeding tube formula. And she's like, but I'm not hungry. I'm like, it don't matter if you're hungry. You, you still got to do it if you want to live. You know, whereas before, I would have just let it go because I didn't want to upset grandma. I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. Yes, so I would hurt people's feelings, but not on purpose. You know. So you're creating boundaries and advocating and speaking up and finding your voice that's in a, a good, healthy way instead of just griping and complaining and grouching over everything. Yes, which, I mean, our family is full of grouch people. You know, uncle, my uncle and my grandma are grouchy people, but they're very blunt and honest and to the point, and they don't sugarcoat anything. And now that I'm happy with my own mental health, I'm blunt and to the point, and I'm not sugarcoating anything. Like, this is the way it is. You know, if you make this choice, this is what's going to happen. If you make this choice, this is what's going to happen. And I've never had boundaries in my life. But like, since I've been put on meds, I'm like, okay, mom, we need to set some boundaries. And she just was like flipping out. And I was like, this is what I need so that I can survive. And I can thrive in my own mental health. That's huge for you. And I know that's something that, you know, mom would call and vent to me. And I'm like, well, I'm proud of her. <laughs> you should do the same thing, you know, especially with Jessica. You know, setting those boundaries for Jessica because she doesn't want to follow the rules. She doesn't want to get help. She just, you know, I mean, it's a cycle. And, you know, both you... Learning to have those boundaries is helping mom have those boundaries and mom having those boundaries are helping you to have those boundaries. I think you're helping each other because I remember, you know, when mom was setting those boundaries, like, I'm not coming home, I'm doing this. And you're like, what? How are you doing that when I'm here? And I'm like, well, she created a boundary and she's taking care of herself. 
And that sucks when you're on the other side of it and you aren't creating boundaries and you're letting everyone walk all over you. And it's not because you don't care, because you do care, but like at what cost? Yeah, I mean, I was just in survival mode. You know, I have to make sure grandma lives as long as she can live. And, you know, with Jessica, like I finally was like, mom, block her. And Malum's just freaking out. No, I can't do that. What if something happened? They won't call from her phone. You can't prevent anything from happening. She has to suffer her own consequences from her choices that she is making in life. You know, and I finally just grabbed mom's phone. I blocked her, you know, and I let her go that whole weekend without talking to her. And I'm like, now see how much better that is? It's so much less stressful. Your boyfriend's not yelling at you because you're on the phone constantly with somebody that will not help themselves yeah like and that is the biggest thing you have to want to help yourself yeah you can't help anyone that's not willing to help themselves no and and like even with eating with grandma i'm like grandma if you want to live you have to eat so when i stay with her like every two hours i'm like you need to eat something you need to eat something i don't care if it's a slice of tomato a, a quarter cup of cottage cheese i don't care what it is just eat something you know, whereas Tammy hasn't set those boundaries yet. So she's like, oh, she slept till two o'clock this afternoon. I'm like, she didn't get up and go let the dog out or get fresh water or eat anything. No, not yet. And I'm like, you have to make her. Like, just remind her, hey, you know, you need to get up and move. So as we wrap this up, I do have a few things I want to say. First of all, all of these things are related Sometimes it's like, you know, sometimes, first of all, it's hereditary. Everyone in my family struggles with mental health. So it could be hereditary. Sometimes it's an event in your life that kind of takes your breath away that can cause you to really struggle in this area. And again, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a psychiatrist. I have no idea on all of the official terms, but I do know from my own life, these are some things like moving or a death or a divorce or just an event. You know, when we had everything that had happened with Emmeline in 2019, that set me off. Like I was a mess moving. I was a mess. Having a baby messed me up. Like there there are a lot of things. So I wanted to tell you that. And then I wanted to tell you one, they, they say one in five, excuse me, one in five struggle with a mental health condition. I can imagine it's not higher. Like, I feel like I I know more people that struggle than don't struggle. Who are they asking? I'm just kidding. But anyway, so one in five. Don't feel ashamed of that. There is a new number that I think is worth sharing. It's called 988. You can call or text. It's a suicide and crisis hotline. And the one thing that like I'm in a couple of Facebook groups because of Jessica that have been very helpful for me. And that is like they had said that like on the really bad days, whether you're the one that is suicidal or you just need to talk to someone because of a crisis happening with somebody else, that hotline is for you. You can use it. So again, it's 988. You can call or text the Amen Clinics. I so want a brain scan. Like, I want to see what my brain looks like. And he talks about this. He'll do scans and he'll, you know, it can be 
chemicals, you had a concussion, you were hit in the head, drugs, alcohol, even trauma, you know, like all of those things affect your brain. And I want a brain scan. I want Bryson to have a brain scan too, because I know like he's, he struggles. So again, that's the Amen Clinics. You can look up Dr. Daniel Amen. I follow him on Instagram. I can't remember if I follow him from Dr. Amen or Amen Clinics. I can't remember, but I think there's two different accounts. And then I wanted to tell you about NAMI.org. That's the National Alliance on Mental Illness. I think that's a really good resource. They have, they can put you in touch with like local people near you for support, especially if you, you know, whether you're struggling or someone you know is struggling. And also for me, like there was one time when I first went on medication right after I had Bryce, no, right after I had Rylan, I was in such a bad place. I couldn't even have a conversation with the doctor. Like I went from like highs and lows and on a high, I'm like, I don't need any medication on sign. And then the low would be uncontrollable crying, which is not always like, that's not how depression shows up most times for me. But I was so overwhelmed that I would just cry. Eric actually had to call the doctor and be like, listen, she needs something. Also, if you don't have insurance, I want to mention that x.com. At the time when I needed to be on an antidepressant after Rylan, Eric had lost his job. Probably another trigger right there. He had lost his job. We didn't have any insurance. I didn't know how I was going to pay for it. I could barely pay. I mean, we didn't have any money coming in. And GoodRx was very helpful. I think there might even be some antidepressants that you can get for free or very low cost. If you go to GoodRx.com, it will tell you the best place to get them from. And you don't have to have insurance. It's, it doesn't cost you any money to use GoodRx. It's just a good resource. And that's for all medication, not just antidepressants. And then I thought there was one more I wanted to talk about. I don't know what it is. Do you have anything else you want to add, Chris? Just don't be ashamed about your mental health. Like, even if you think you're okay, but maybe your friend is like, hey, you know, you seem really depressed lately. Or why are you so angry? Everything comes off as anger to start with. For you, not me. For a lot of people. Like, when my son was younger, we couldn't figure out why he was angry all the time. Hitting me, yelling, screaming. And they're like, that is the easiest emotion to control. Your anger. So even if you're you don't know what emotion to feel, like he he doesn't show or express a lot of emotions. But anger's the easiest one. So that's the one we see. But now that he's better and on meds are working and doing all these things, he hasn't showed anger in quite some time. You know, it and it's just being able to recognize when you need help. Just ask. I mean, there's so many. Yeah, you might have to go through a few, a, a few loops, you know, as with anything. But it's so worth it to feel better in yourself. I think like, sometimes when we have struggled for a long time, we forget how good we actually felt. Like, I remember when they put me on Boosperone, which is the generic for Boost Bar. They, like, I'm on Boosperone. 
and Zoloft, that combo. And I remember I was like cleaning out Emmeline's drawers and closet and getting rid of all the stuff that no longer fits her. And that's normally something I would reserve for when mom comes to visit. And I remember my mother-in-law was there and I was like, oh my gosh, like, what is wrong with me? I have all this energy. I'm like, what, who am I? And she was like, they changed your medicine. And I had forgotten what it was like and how I used to be. And so really take some time to reflect and ask yourself, like, if you have been struggling or you're just not who you used to be, why? Is it possible that you're struggling in this area and you just don't know it. I know for a long time, remember when I was pregnant with Rylan's mom asked me, she was like, I think you're depressed. And I was like, not depressed. Why do you think I'm depressed? I'm not sitting around crying all day long. I literally thought that depression was sitting in the corner crying in a dark room. No, for me, it showed up of laying in bed a lot, watching movies, reading a lot of books, like anything I could, like my bed is always my like, my safe place. That's my way of escaping. Let me just sleep it off. Maybe tomorrow will be better. Watching movies, like I, I didn't, it, it really, it showed up as like laziness, like just tired, no energy. I forgot what it was like to have energy. I forgot what it was like to actually want to do something. When in 2019, when I was struggling, mom wanted to know if I wanted to go shopping. And I didn't want to go shopping. Hello, that's a big red flag for me. Melissa doesn't want to go shopping. What's wrong? A friend wanted to pay for me to go get my nails done. But I couldn't, like, I was in such a bad place with my anxiety that I couldn't, I didn't even want to go get my nails done. And mom even was like, let's go get our nails done. I was like, no, I don't, I, I had no desire. Like, that was work for me. And so looking at those things, like if you used to like people and being around people and you don't right now, ask yourself why, because that isn't like there's a way to get yourself back to who you used to be if that has been a change. Does that make sense, Chris? Yeah, I mean, 22 years of the wrong meds. That's a lot of time. Like that's more than half my life. Yeah. And I was only in surviving. So like now I'm looking forward to the future. You know, what will the future have for me? You know, and not letting things, little things tear me down that I have no control over. You know, and I continue my therapy. I'll continue finding the right meds for anxiety or getting back on what I was on before they messed me up. You know, but like this test is just turn things around. 22 years on the wrong meds is too long. Don't wait. Not only that, like I wouldn't say it made it worse, but, you know, you thought, well, this is as good as it's going to get because I'm taking medication and the medication is supposed to help. And if it's not helping, maybe I'm broken. Oh, I felt myself was broken for decades. But now I think. You know, I deserve to find a nice guy, which I actually have. And I deserve to be treated right. I deserve to be taken out to dinner. I deserve to be treated with respect and not just used, you know. And I let myself get that way. But for one simple swab of my cheek, like it wasn't even invasive. 
You know, I mean, we do all these invasive things like colonoscopies, endoscopies, and you don't, still don't get no answers. But at least with this, you have an answer. You have an outline of what to go on. And that makes such a big difference in yeah. anything. It narrows the list of anything else. Like, like oh, instead of these 1,500 medication options, you now have 20. I have six on my good list like an antidepressants. So I went from thousands to six. Wow, that's awesome. Okay, girl, it was great chatting with you. Miss Gamer, Christy, using Colton's Xbox headphones. This has been great. Thank you so much for coming on and just sharing with us. Again, what is the web? Is it genesite.com? Genesite. Genesite. Yes, you're the one that was telling me genosite. I've always called it genosite. Like, that's just the way I say it. Genesite.com. And I will say that if your insurance doesn't cover it, it says you will not pay any more than like $300. And I think you will know beforehand. And you can make payments as well, I saw. Yes. They'll let you make payments. They make it as easy as they can get. Yeah. So thank you so much for joining us. And guys, I hope this was helpful for you. Share this with somebody, invite them to the group if they're struggling with their mental health. We'll continue this conversation because you know I'm super passionate about just breaking the stigma. It doesn't have to be something that we're ashamed of. It's part of us. It's not our whole story and it doesn't identify us. I truly believe that God has a huge plan for every single one of us. And those of us that are struggling with our mental health, that's the way the enemy is trying to keep us down from living out what he has for us. And so let's not let him. Let's get the help that we need. I also feel like I should say this. (laughs) Vitamin D, magnesium, also big help. Some of the things I've been doing, going outside, vitamin C, Eric says. He just came in from work. But like going outside first thing in the morning, getting enough sleep, that's another big one that I had no idea the impact that lack of sleep would have on your mental health. We look at our sister, Jessica, who struggles and sleep, stays up for three or four nights in a row. You can very much see where lack of sleep makes it. I mean, it's like she's on drugs and that's the problem. She's not on on drugs or she's on the wrong ones, but that's another subject. So vitamin D helps, magnesium, exercise sleep, eating right, cleaner foods instead of all the processed junk. The processed junk is really not good for us. And I believe that it contributes to our mental health. Water, gut health is also when our gut is our second brain. And so when our gut is, if we fix our gut, a lot of times it fixes us up here too. So, okay, that's it. That's all I wanted to share. Thank you, Chris. You're welcome. I'll talk to you later. Bye, guys. Hey, friend. That's it for this episode. If you found value, I would love it if you could take a couple of seconds and leave me a quick review. While it may seem super simple, it is so beneficial and gives me the opportunity to help more women. Also, take a screenshot and share it on social media with your biggest aha today. Don't forget to tag me at Melissa Bad Official so we can connect. Thank you so much for listening. And until next time, friend, keep walking it out one baby step at a time because God's got you.